Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the One Step Better podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, and with me this week, we have Greg Henderson. You guys have heard Greg before. Greg is, uh, he kind of oversees our outsourced HR department area, whatever you want to call it. Greg's responsibilities are really helping our clients get one step better in the arena of HR. Does a lot of work uh, talking with clients about um, things they're doing right, things they're doing wrong, ways they can improve, both from a compliance standpoint, but also strategic. Um, has a lot of experience in that realm. And uh, Greg's background, if you uh, don't remember, is in the Army. A lot of experience in the Army. And so one of the things that we're going to talk about today is leadership and uh, and how we as leaders continue to improve in, in ways in which we can we can do that. And we'll talk more about that here in a second. But to get us started today, Greg, we always like to start with a, uh, a fun question to, to prime the pump, if you will. So internally, uh, last week, we started to have a little bit of a debate around who is the leader of the Avengers. It turned into a Slack poll. It turned, I saw you posted on uh, LinkedIn and quite a lot of views, quite a lot of debate that came from this. And so my question to you is, out of all of the characters of the Avengers, who is the leader of the group? So I'll have to take credit for that whole debate. I walked into the sales team and I said, hey, who makes the best leader, Captain America or Iron Man? And wow, the discussion went way, way more than I wanted it to, because I was trying to find some research to try to find a new You were article. looking for like a one I was looking for like Captain America and move on, right? Yeah. It became a whole discussion. Um, we had a very comic book view from other people. I mean, it was very, very involved. And so Maggie put out and said, hey, let's let's try this on Slack. See we're going to figure on. it out. And so she put in like Nick Fury, she put in different things, and just the, the answers that we got back were wrong for one um but just the idea that wow you we view leadership in different ways and i think it's because of what what we need at the time and i'll get to that in a second so my answer to the poll does it change captain america is the best leader the avengers had is he the actual leader of the group that is that's open for debate. <laughs> I'm asking your opinion. You should be an expert in your opinion. In my opinion, yes. The answer to both questions is Captain America. Okay. I would agree with that. However, a lot of people said Iron Man. A couple of people said Nick Fury. I think we even had a couple of votes for other, which I don't know how you could even vote for other. Right. Um, they didn't I mean, even add anything. Ant-Man is clearly not the leader of the Avengers. I don't know like right. I don't know where you're going with that. You talked to my six-year-old Hulk. I mean, that's that's the that's the yeah. leader of the Avengers right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think Hulk could probably beat up everybody else. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but yeah, my my uh, my six-year-old, he is a big fan of Hulk. Um, it gets us in trouble sometimes because he likes to impersonate Hulk at all of the wrong times and destroy our house. But, you know, that's uh, that's part of the fun. I did think that this question, this poll question specifically for us internally and probably um, among comic book and Marvel fans is a debate. And I will give license to that debate. However, there's only one right answer. Uh and that, that right answer is not up for debate. It is Captain America. He is the clear leader of the group. And if you disagree, that's fine. You could post it, you know, let us know on YouTube if you disagree. Sure. You're wrong, but you can disagree. That's perfectly fine. 
again, we'll entertain the debate. Yeah, we'll, we'll tell you you're wrong on YouTube, <laughs> on, you know, in our comments, whatever, wherever it needs to be. But it does bring up um, a more, more real-world view of what leadership is, because I think at the heart of why people disagree is partly, other than and this is just a silly game of comic book and uh, Marvel movie fun, there's a there's a fundamental difference there between because the the main answers we got were either Captain America or Iron Man and and I think those are probably the the top two uh, maybe if you want to throw Nick Fury in there but those are the, really the top two people that people are gonna are gonna gravitate towards and there are very two different leadership styles there's two very different personalities in those two characters and ultimately I think that sheds light on why somebody sees somebody as a leader and so um, I want to know in, in your experience I mean you've been in high pressure situations and large group leadership, small group leadership, all across the board, characterize a little bit, just, I mean, because we can use Marvel as an example, the two different approaches of leadership that we really see in Captain America and uh, Iron Man. And and because I think those are real life examples of leadership styles. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I think the I think the other reason why people have a hard time figuring out which one is what is because Iron Man had such a great evolution in the movies. So we talk about the very first Iron Man compared to what he did in the very last Iron Man. That's a totally different sure. character. So I think that's that's hard to to show what Iron Man was when I'm talking about this. So try to go back to the beginning, right? Iron Man for me in the beginning was more of a transactional leader. The idea that, hey, I have, you know, the standard is going on. I'm going to reward you or punish you if you don't meet the standard pretty simple, black and white, boom, let's go, let's go, you know, get it done. For me, Captain America is more the transformational leader. You follow me because of my presence, my attitude, my charisma, uh, my character, period. You follow me for that reason. So it's the idea of the, the epitome of being Captain America. Well, of course he's a leader. It's in his title, right? He is the captain, right? It makes sense. But I think it's very hard for people to kind of understand what that is because again Iron Man had such a great evolution I think a great leader is, is servant leaders and so Iron Man giving up his life for the team at the very end was the epitome of spoiler being spoiler alert right well yeah oh, sorry <laughs> we have more things to discuss if you haven't seen in game but by 2021 but anyway but that's the idea right that's the servant leadership that I think we all can get behind and and say yes that's my leader look at the look look, look what he does for the team i think that uh to, to to boil it down a little bit is we all know people who have leader in their title or by default people look up to them because of their big personality maybe they're the loudest in the room or the most boisterous or the the person who is always pointing we're going this direction this direction this direction and it's easy to see that person and characterize that person as a leader, even though sometimes they may be leading you off of a cliff, um, because just the personality, the loud personality of who they are, um, attracts followers. But you you also know people who are, I, I think of them as quietly humble, I'm here to serve, and I don't need all the attention for it, um, but people still gravitate towards that because they know they're going to get stuff done and they know they're going to they're gonna lead them in, in the right direction. One is more vocal in their leadership style. The other is more um, quiet. In your experience, have you had people in your life that are on both sides of that? In which direction have you typically leaned towards in the person, not necessarily that, that you are, but the person that you want to follow? 
Hmm, that's a great question. And I'm going to cop out a little bit, and it depends with the situation. Um, I'll give you two, two different kind of scenarios where one was more dominant than the other. Um, if you're downranged, if you're deployed, and it's a very high tense kind of energy uh, situation going on, the one that produces the calm in the storm is the one that everyone is kind of gravitating to to figure out, okay, what's going on? I don't need another hothead if I'm already kind of high energy, high stressed already. I need the guy that's in the room that says, calm down. This is what we're going to do. do. You do this, you do that, and we're going to make it through. That's that situation that you need that other type of leader in. The other leader, if we're just in a day-to-day garrison environment is what we call it, I, I need somebody that's going to take charge. Um, I need somebody that's going to stand up and say, no, no, this is the standard. We're going to uphold the standard. And if you don't make it, then I'm going to leave you behind. Right? If you don't get the small things, which is a, the standard is a small thing for us. If you don't make the small things, then, then just get out of the way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move over you. Um, and that's a totally different type of leadership than the guy downrange. Believe it or not, they could be the same person. But they've kind of understood that they have to change and morph into what the situation it takes is what just an outstanding leader does. What do you think? I, I would agree with you. I think that a, a really high-quality leader learns, like you mentioned, to adapt their style of communication depending upon the situation. Um, if if we're in a situation where, you know, chaos is breaking loose, then I typically am going to gravitate towards somebody who is bringing calm to that situation. Not that they are underplaying the severity of what is going on, but they're setting a, a level ground to say, yes, there is a storm. We're going to get through it, and this is how we're going to do it. Um, that's that's how I gravitate towards those people. I, I gravitate towards those people. Um, but you do have to be able to to have that leader in place that's going to energize the team when everything is quiet and you know you need to rally the troops and, and get them pumped up for something. You need a person that can that can do that. And sometimes, you you know, that may be a rah rah guy, but sometimes that may be. Um, a lady that's going to just come along and say, "Hey, this is what we're going towards. Let's get going and and, and pump you up." Right. Um, it, it's not necessarily, you know, how you go about doing that could be different. Yeah, I I don't think I've had I'm trying to figure this out a little bit more. Is there a a, a skill set or an attribute that every great leader has? I don't think that's true. I think they have just a hodgepodge of different things that they kind of tap into as as the time in the situation dictates. Yeah. Um, I, cause I believe that leaders are grown, not born. Yeah. So that kind of brings us into why we're even doing this podcast. So I had, um, we had, we had some, some emails come through <clears throat> when we were talking about different suggestions for topics, things that we want to talk about. And one of those that came through asked us about leadership and specifically, um, how we develop leaders internally, but how we as leaders of a company develop ourselves to the point where we have quality leadership skills. And I think that's an important thing to talk about specifically because you just mentioned you believe leaders are developed or grown, not born. And I would I would agree with you. Um, I do think there are people that have different personality types naturally that may lend themselves more towards different styles of leadership and, and personalities that people gravitate towards. However, the majority of quality leaders, if not all of them, are, are grown up. And uh, like any personality type, 
left unchecked and un, you know, not not being self-aware about who you are, it's going to be a disaster at some point. And so um, I thought it would be a good idea to talk about leadership a little bit today, specifically with Greg because of his experience in, in working in HR in uh, a lot of years, um, around the idea of how we as leaders continue to develop ourselves so that whenever those situations come up that we have to be completely on, we're ready for it and not caught, caught uh, off guard. So I'm curious to know, um, you've been in leadership positions for quite some time. How do you always stay on top of your own personal development so that you are prepared for those situations as they pop up? Yeah. So I have an acronym um, that I use. I love acronyms. Of course I do. Right. Um, It's CPRDF, right? So CPR, don't forget. So it's the idea that you have commitment, you have purpose, relationships, development, and then feedback. And if you're always understanding that, that's the doctrine of leadership on, on, you know, on Greg Henderson's spin. It's the idea that leadership is a mindset first and foremost. That's why I believe there's no skill set, no attribute that it's directly, a, you know, a tied to or attributed to this great leader, because it's a mindset, it's a decision, it's an action verb that you have to make in the very beginning, and then all that other stuff comes in into play. Purpose is the idea that. Why are we here? There's got to be more than just, hey, you come to work so I can give you a reward. No, it's got to be something deeper than that, right? And so that's why I want to get into that purpose. As a leader, try to figure out, hey, what is the carrot that my employees or my team really motivates them? What, what is that? And it's, it's not to dangle in front of them so they can run faster. Like, hey, hey, you'll never get it. No, that's not the point of that. The point of the conversation is what is the thing that motivates them so much that I can know because I know them as a leader? And so, again, that goes back to relationships. Do you have a relationship with your team? Development feedback, it's, it's tied together. I have to develop myself as a leader. I have to understand, hey, I, there's our shortcomings that I don't know. There's blind spots in my in my life I don't know. No, There's no rank or title for a good idea or for feedback. That It's just not. So as a leader, you have to just understand, wow, there, there's so much information around me. Even with the people that are, are being, you know, quote unquote, led by me, I can still ask for their feedback. They can develop me as a, as a leader. And I would highly encourage you to build that behavior of feedback with your team, you teach it, so in turn, you can ask for it. How do you develop relationships with your team in a way that is genuine, like you genuinely care about them, but you also know as the leader that you're developing that relationship to a degree in order to get something out of them that that they may not necessarily realize or or even understand? And I don't mean that in a manipulative way, but you know, there's, I see some people that take that too far where the relationship is to the point where, you know, they're super close friends or whatever it may be. And that can sometimes get in the way of their ability to lead. How do you go about developing a relationship in a way that is meaningful, helpful, but also not too far down that road? Or is there such thing as too far down that road? There might be too far down that road. Um, but I would be, I would err on going too far down the road than never going down that road at all. Um, and the idea of being manipulative, of of asking how your weekend went, um, I think 
I think we got to give people more credit than they do. They understand and they can sense genuality when it's when it's there and when it's not there. So if I ask you, hey, you know, talk about the game, you know, over the weekend, the the thing that we have to get people to understand is I may not even care about the basketball game. <laughs> But this is what I want to get leaders to understand is you may not care about the basketball game, but who on your team will? That's that relationship that you have to build. That's that genuality. I'm making up a word, I think. Yeah, I think um, so, too. Um, what is it? Full of genuine? Genuinely. Genuinely? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and that, that's what we're trying to get to is the idea that, hey, I, I really care about you as a person. I'm going to ask about you away from the office. We used to have this um, skill, leader, skill leader test when you first became a leader in the military. Uh, you had a, a sergeant's book, and in your sergeant's book, it had all your uh, squad leaders' names, their, married, their, their wives' name if, if they were married, their kids' names, their birthdays, their anniversaries, all that. And you would be graded and checked on that by your leader. Hey, um, Private Henderson, do you know his, his birth date? Uh, wow. That's the type of leader that I was trained in when I was first becoming a, a brand new leader was the idea that there's, it's a whole person. It's not just somebody that's in boots. No, when they take their boots off, they're still the person that you're still in charge of. And so it's 365 leadership. And so that's why I err on this, going down that road more than never going down that road at all is because, again, servant leadership, we've got to understand that I'm trying to build a relationship with you because when I add rules and I have no relationship, that's that's when you get rebellion. It's hard to it's hard to to get people up to to follow that if they don't understand the why. You mentioned the relationships being really important. Um, I, I would agree with that. I think it's important for a leader to know their people so well that they know what's going to motivate. Because there may be somebody on your team when you say, "Hey, how was the game this past weekend?" or whatever. Um, and they're maybe they're not even a sports fan at all, and you're asking about a game, and then that you know is, shows clearly that this person me. doesn't know me at all. Um, and so I don't think there is a here's the five questions or five things you need to say to everybody in, in your on your team because this it's that doesn't necessarily meet you know your team where you're at. Right, but that's your one on one conversations. That's when you really get to know your people. Is that one on one? Is ask them, hey, what what do you think your purpose is? What motivates you? How can I help? Yeah. Very three simple, very questions that really gets to the heart of that person. And you figure out, okay, well, wow, I am really failing this person because they think I'm supposed to do this. And I am, we haven't talked about that. What are, what are some of the resources? That, what are your go-to resources for personal development, leadership development? What does that look like? Yeah, for me, I, I read a ton of books. Um, I love the idea of a holistic approach to leadership. So your John Maxwell's, um, uh, you're definitely uh, what we use for the hiring practice here, Patrick Leone. I, I, I eat all his books up. Um, and then there's a, a couple of podcasts that I listen to reg regularly, um, Andy Stanley uh, podcast and HR Heroes, uh, those kind of things that kind of get you the, the business perspective and then the also the holistic approach. And you kind of combine it together into this you know, ethos that you're trying to, to present to people. I, uh, what, what's your favorite leadership book? If you only had one resource that you could point people to that says this book right here 
is a book that's really meant a lot over over your lifetime or uh, even in, in a specific situation, what would that book be? Well, I mean, I think you can glean a lot from a religious kind of perspective in the Bible, right? You can't, if you try to be a servant leadership, if you're not looking at the Bible for that beginning, then you're missing the mark. After that, believe it or not, it's, a, it's an army reg. It's, it's leadership 101 in the army. Um, if you go back to it, even, I mean, that book was, that regulation was written 50 years ago. And some of the stuff that's still in that book is relevant today. Um, so those are the two things that I would uh, highly recommend people to just tap into something. Um, again, you got to figure out what, who you are, right? Are you a transactional, transformational servant leader? And then figure out, put those people around you that will make you better. I always find that the, the way that I've been, I guess, grown over time, there's always been somebody in my life that I've been able to go to that was a strong leader, that what that somebody that you just everybody has these people that you just look to naturally, and it's somebody that, man, if when I grow up, I want to be like that person, and those people in my life over time have been invaluable for my own personal development, um, and it's not necessarily that I want to mimic what who they are, what they are in every area of their life, but. I've, uh, you know, I've known some really, really good dads that I can look to and say, you know what, I want to be like you in that realm. And I've, I've known some really good business leaders that I could say, I really want to be like you in that realm. But just because I want to be like you in that realm doesn't mean I want to be, be like you in any other realm, because you may really suck in, in a lot of other areas. Um, and I think it's important to find people in your life that are maybe a couple steps ahead of you in different areas and glean what you can glean from them and kind of throw away the rest. Um, we don't have to look for that all-in, perfect, this person is the end-all, be-all that I want to be when I grow up. But just look for different areas because um, having a mentor or someone that you can look up to and ask questions, that you know that, that person you can give a call to and say, hey, this is what I'm hearing, this is what I'm seeing, can you give me some feedback here and bounce ideas off of is super, super important. Yeah, that's great. Um, I love that. I, I, you know, the two kind of people that come to mind when you ask, you know, kind of your, your groundwork or, or who did you look up to? Um, one, I, you know, it's pretty easy for my, for me, it's my dad. Uh, he taught me a lot of um, just drive and, you know, the idea that your, your name has meaning. He used to tell me all the time, hey, you know, make sure when someone says your name, they do it in a good light. Uh, it's the idea that, hey, whenever, you know, good light. I don't know. It's, it's probably a you know, southern thing or something. I don't know. You don't want people um, to think badly about you. You don't want to, yeah. Oh, that Greg Henderson guy. Oh, my goodness. What is he doing? That's right. a jack wagon. And, and he, you know, he taught me your job is to get up and go to work and do your best at your at the job. And so that kind of led to the military. It was pretty pretty easy. They 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 kind of showed me that the things that I was raised in, I used to tell people I was just raised right, uh, they honed those skills and they added leadership um, onto the whole bucket of stuff, you know, the stuff that I would kind of lean into. My my first chaplain uh, was my mentor. Um, so when I first joined the Army, it was, I was a chaplain assistant. And so you're, you're a private, you're an E1, I was 18 years old. My, fir my, my first line leader, right, the guy that I reported to every day was a captain, but a chaplain, you know, very first day of the Army. And he was amazing. 
um, he was actually the one that, that married uh, Amanda and I, um, and, you know, after the fact. But he showed me about presence um, than it is about titles. Because technically he wasn't in a leadership position. Sure, he was my boss, but he only had one person to, to really take care of. He was more about, about ministry of presence. So his foot would be on every square foot of any space that we would be involved in. He would walk around and talk to every single soldier. Um, and he showed me that you have got to just talk to people as people. You've got to just understand that there's stuff going on that you don't even know about unless you ask. And that's what is, is really cool about being in the business world now is there's so much out there that we just get tied up into the nine to five and we, and we forget, or maybe we don't even ask the question, yeah, Johnny didn't have that report, you know, on time, but Johnny's dad was also getting results for cancer. The same, the same day and the same maybe the hour, he got a text from his dad about cancer results. We don't, we don't think about that. And I think that's something that we should think about. I agree. Um, that's, I think that's the, the joy of being in a small business where you don't have those experiences as often as you do in you know a lot of a corporate setting where results are the only thing that matters and people don't right uh, and, and there's really good big corporations out there that don't operate that way and so I don't want to you know paint with too broad of a brush but sure the reality is in small businesses it's hard to ignore and get away from the person that your employee is because it's going to shine in every area you mentioned the idea that uh, your title isn't as important as your presence in a lot of ways. And this is one thing that we hit hard on in our HR on-ramp, the idea that, especially in the HR world specifically, that leaders are, are, are there and you're leading somewhere, even though your title may not be director or boss or manager or leader or anything resulting or you know, indicative of a leadership position. If you're in the HR space, you're typically a leader. And one of the things that we always, uh, that we hit on is the idea that, to be a good HR leader, you first have to be a good leader leader uh, because the reality is most HR issues are coming out of a space that quality leadership would have either cut those off at the head, prevented them altogether, or addressed this in some way way before it got to be a big issue. So as you're talking to um, second hat HR folks, uh, maybe it's a business owner that also has to you know, double as I'm the chief HR officer, you know, whatever it may be. How do you encourage them and spur them on to understand that their role as it relates specifically to HR is really a role that is about them developing their leadership skills and abilities? Yeah, we have this conversation, unfortunately, too many times, um, especially in the business owner who is running you know, their, their small business and they don't really have a lot of people under them in the leadership role, and so they're doing it all. Um, multiple clients come to mind when, when, when I think about that. And it's fun because I get to be at the beginning, right? This is their first chance of, of really diving into leadership and to figure out, wow, there's some issues with people. <laughs> I never thought about that when I thought about, hey, I want to run my own business. And it's interesting because I get to, I get to show them that it's okay to be human for one, and then sometimes it's okay to be the businessman for the other. And I, and I describe it like this. There's some business decisions that can be made as Greg. Hey, I understand. Go ahead. We're good. And there's some 
other business decisions that need to be made as Mr. Henderson. And that's kind of how I, you know, show him the, the, uh, the dichotomy a little bit of, of being in that leadership role. Yes, you, you, you have to have a heart and you have to be human, but then also you have to show, well, no, I, I'm not for non-for-profit, right? I'm for-profit. I have to understand there is a standard and, and I have to make some money. And so this is a business decision, not personal. We, uh, we talked about this, oh goodness, it was a few weeks back whenever uh, we were doing an employee spotlight with Kim in our office, who's our director of accounting. And uh, uh, both Kim and I kind of grew up in the firm a little bit. And uh, we talked about the difference between, I mean, everybody here we're, we're friends with and hang out outside of work. And, and there's times at which we have to go and say, hey, Becky, I'm having this conversation with you as in my case, the COO of this company. Um, and this is X, Y, Z. And there's sometimes I need to go and say, hey, Becky, I'm having this conversation with you just as your friend. Uh, just to say, and, and, and vocally saying that and expressing that is helpful to set the table to understand both on, on both, in my example, Becky and my uh, situation that this is the context by which we're having this conversation. We could be jovial. We could joke around. We can goof off. We can call each other names or whatever, um, and it's all in in good, friendly tone. And then there's other times it's, hey, you know what? This is – we're setting the table as this is a real conversation, and if you start <laughs> talking back to me or getting aggressive, I'm going to show you the door because this is conversation that we're having as – boss to employee or leader to follower, whatever, you know, um, vocabulary you guys use in, inside of your organization. And just verbally saying that really gives clarity to both sides to understand what this conversation is going to look like. Um, but it, it doesn't make the conversation any more difficult or any more easy, but it does provide clarity into what's about to happen. That way, because, you know, Kim and I talked about the, uh, Sometimes we would go in and say, all right, Becky, um, you're supposed to do X, Y, Z, and it didn't happen, and it's late or whatever. And, you know, Becky could fire back and say, well, you know, I was just playing around with, you know, whatever, whatever. And it's like, no, 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 no I'm sorry. I think you misunderstood. I'm not talking to you as my friend. I'm talking to you as your boss. And this cannot happen. And uh, that was, I mean, that was difficult until we really caught on to the idea that, you know what, there's just multiple relationships, multiple hats in our relationship with every person here. And so um, it, it's the body, you know, boss to buddy and then back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, that's a common deal. I mean, if you've if you're a leader in a small business, this is a common issue that you face because you do have employees. But you also those same employees are also a lot of times close friends. Um, I mean, if you're working at a company that only has 20 full-time employees, you guys are spending 40 hours a week together. You're going to know each other, I would hope so anyway, right. better than just your employee number sure. or, or, or your work product. Uh, now, some, and that's what we, again, that's what we hope. <laughs> we hope. Some people don't operate like that, and that's perfectly fine. But in our world, we expect to have a relationship there that goes beyond just, hey, you're the guy that sits in the cubicle next to me. Uh, or you're the person that's in the office down the hall or whatever it may be. Sure. Um, another thing that, that I want to hit on real quick is, uh, and this is something that I, th I would encourage all of our viewers out there to think about a little bit, is when you when, when I think about leadership, I think about preparedness. Um, a lot of times 
we will rush to knowledge or rush to resources in order to get equipped for a moment. And then when we're equipped for that moment and that moment passes, we you know, let our, let our guard down and we take a breath and we're waiting for the next moment to come up. And then we're going to rush to resources to get equipped. That is a very unhealthy view of being a leader. If you're in a position where you are a leader and people are coming to you often or frequently in any way whatsoever for advice or feedback or um, help, then you have to be constantly equipping yourself to handle those situations. I think about it as like developing a library. Um, If you were to start a library tomorrow, you wouldn't wait until the order came in to go buy the book. You would have some books in place that you know some people are going to want to um, check out or, or you know buy or whatever. You have that inventory in place ready to go. Being a leader in a lot of ways is, is, is similar. You have to have a, an inventory of your leadership skills ready to deploy at any moment because you don't know what situation is ever going to come up with you. And so if you want to develop your leadership skills, be proactive about, be prepared about developing those skills way before they, they come up. You know, I think about it, if a tornado is going to hit here today, um, you know, then we better have been prepared for that yesterday or we're going to be up a creek. Um, and, and as a leader, one of the best things you can do is, is stay ahead of the game from a preparedness and equipness, equipping standpoint. The ways in which I think is really helpful to do that is you mentioned earlier, leaders have to be readers. If you're not, you know, if you don't have a, a healthy library of books that you're you know reading through or have read through and you're constantly reading through then you're going to fall behind there's only a couple of ways in which you could develop yourself over time one of which is the people you hang around with another is the the information that goes into your brain and uh, reading good quality books is one of the ways that you can develop that also find a mentor that can that has the authority to speak into your life that can say hey you know what you're wrong about xyz that, uh, that you trust implicitly so that whenever they do come to you and say that you're wrong about X, Y, Z, the guard doesn't go up and say, no, you're wrong, and, and you get into a big fight. You have to have some people in there that, that take it or leave it. They're going to they're gonna be willing to come to you and say, hey, you know what? You handled this situation badly, and, uh, and this is why, and, and grow from those things. And then lastly, and we'll, we'll start to wrap up a little bit, um, you have to be humble enough to be able to say, I don't have all the answers. Um, if you find yourself in a situation where you are constantly the person that people are going to for advice, for opinions, it's easier to build yourself up as the expert that knows it all. And that can lead to pride getting in the way of self-development. And you have to fight against that in every area of your life so that you don't become stagnant and stop growing because you think you have it all figured out. So that's, those are my tips for leadership. And then ask your, your, your teammates on your next one-on-one, who's the leader of the venture? That's right. <laughs> and if they don't say Captain America, then you need to fire them because they don't know anything about anything in the world. <laughs> or you could challenge them on why they think that, and it hopefully will get you to know where they think leaders should be. And explain to them why they're wrong along the way. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty confident that I have the right answer here. So. Well, I appreciate you guys out there uh, listening to us talk a little bit about leadership and our experiences anyway. Um, I fully expect that everybody has some different opinions and different views of leadership, different styles. We didn't even talk about 
you know, a bunch of different styles of leadership. There's some really good books and resources out there to get into that if that's something that is interesting to you. We do have a question to answer from last week. So last week we talked about ways in which uh, leaders can constantly or frequently uh, waste time. And one of the questions that came through was, you know, how do I know the difference between work that I'm doing that is necessary for me to do and work that I'm doing that is something I should not be doing, that, it, that I'm wasting my time as the leader doing that work. So, Greg, what's your opinion there? You know, how, do I, how can I know the difference between meaningful work and work that I need to offload? I think it goes back to having your KRAs set up, right, your expectations. Um, so when we go through the KRA exercise, we always talk about, hey, what are the tasks that I can delegate? What are the tasks that I should not be doing? And what are the tasks that lead to firm revenue or, or some type of exponential return? I think that's a pretty easy way to, to, to view those. Um, here's the thing that we all, always consider. The, t- the task that takes your time and your energy may not be the, the most important task. So just kind of yeah. look at that. Yeah, there's, I'll say there's two guiding principles that I use in, in, in this, for, for this question. Um, and you mentioned both of them. The first of which is, is this something that only I can do? If it's not something that only I can do, then I'm starting to look hard at, is this something I should be doing? Because if I'm not the only person that can be doing that task, then most likely, not always, but most likely, I need to be giving that to somebody else, assuming there's somebody there to give it to. And if there's not, well, then maybe we need to talk about getting somebody there that, that it could be given to, <laughs> developing that next round of leaders. The other thing that I, um, I want to think about um, for that is what is the multiplier effect of what I'm doing? Um, you mentioned, you know, is it, you know, how do you multiply the, the, the value or the benefit of that? Um, everything in, in my role here, everything that I should be doing, this isn't everything that I do, everything I should be doing, because everybody, including myself, struggles with this greatly. Everything that I should be doing should have a multiplying effect and impact on the firm as a whole. If I'm getting into the weeds of answering one-off support questions that everybody else on my team should know the answer to and can respond to, then I'm wa- that I'm wasting my time doing that because and it's not wasting from the standpoint of I'm not being helpful or I'm not being valuable, but it's wasting my time from the standpoint of that's not my job. Not in an unhealthy way, but I'm I that doesn't fit my role. And when I do that, I'm stealing the opportunity for somebody else to be doing that and fulfilling their purpose and their role, also learning from what that uh, whatever that that project or task could be. But also I'm stealing from my company because I'm doing work that I shouldn't be doing, and that's stealing time away from the work that I should be doing. And so those are the two things that I think about just off the top of my head is does it have a multiplying effect? And uh, um, is it something that only I can do? So that's it. Um, if you're out there listening, we really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for spending some time talking with us or just listening to us, uh, whether you're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere else, Stitcher, Premium. I don't know where all the I, other podcasts are coming I from. I was going to keep going. I was like, right. I don't know I'm, all those. I'm trying to think of all <laughs> the places that I, that I think of that uh, I, I see uh, podcasts. Um, but we're on all the places, so I don't know where you're listening to us, but we're really glad that you are joining us today. And so until next week, y'all have a great uh, a great time, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Bye.